I cannot tell you how good it is to look at you, to have this church so full. And welcome to those of you who are virtual too, but I can't tell you we've been through such a long pandemic and preaching to empty pews is not the same. So thank you for being here. The pandemic has sped up a process that was already happening in American culture and across the Western world. We are not looking at the end of Christianity by no means, but we are looking at the end of Christendom. We are moving into what I would call a post-Christian world. A world where Christianity is no longer the norm, nor is it even understood. Let me give you some examples. When I was a child, most of the stores were closed on Sunday because they thought you were going to church. A friend of mine at breakfast this morning said he remembered that on Good Friday, the local liquor store on the corner in his town would close from noon to three because Jesus was hanging on the cross so nobody could have a drink. This Good Friday, after our three-hour service, I walked outside. And one of the reasons why we all feel called to worship Jesus in the urban core is we meet our brothers and sisters who are homeless, and they help us understand the love of God. We see Christ in them, but it's not always easy. And I'll tell you, I've been asked for money, well, more times than I can count. And sure enough, this guy came up and he wanted me to pay for his bus ticket. So we talked about it and he seemed legit. I helped him out, but then I said, tell me something, my friend. What day is it today? And he said, it's Friday. And I said, anything else about it? And he said, nope. A friend of mine is a professor at FSU. She teaches religion. In her intro religion class, she told the class about the story of Jesus. You know, how he dies on a cross and rises from the dead. And a young woman in the front row raised her hand. My professor called upon the young woman, and the young woman said, that sure sounds a lot like Harry Potter. priest friend of mine was doing a wedding and he invited a couple into his church and they said oh this is beautiful there this is a great place to be married but could you move the cross out of the way my friends in this post-christian world the church will not be as large but it will be made up of people who are faithful of what i would call disciples People who understand that God is a living presence in their life. People won't come to church to see each other's hats or to see what's going on in town. The people who will come to church will be the people who believe. 
But you, believers, are going to have to translate what is Christ and Christianity to the outside world. Like, why do we wear all these fancy robes? And why do we walk around in this beautiful building? We wear this fancy stuff because we are having the most big, most beautiful party known to man. Because we are celebrating the most incredible event in all of world history. And when you have a great, great party, do you get out paper plates? No, you get out your best stuff and you wear your most beautiful things because what you're celebrating is so amazing. And people out there, they may say, oh yeah, Easter, that's where you find eggs and where you all who love Jesus believe that you go to heaven. And I would say, okay, that's not wrong, but that's only a part of it. My friends, the resurrection isn't just about what happens when you die. It is about that. It does mean that you don't have to be afraid of dying and you don't have to be afraid of talking about death or being honest about it. You don't have to avoid it and pretend like it's never going to happen to you, even though it happens to everyone. But it's not just about believing that we'll go to God when we die. Resurrection life begins in this life. It begins in this body, on this earth. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. But in order to understand what resurrection life really is, we have to go deeper into the story. Think with me for a minute. After Jesus died, the people that really loved him did not leave. They rested on the Sabbath, and then they came back to face the darkness. They went to look at the tomb, to anoint his body. They were willing to grieve, to feel sad, to look into the darkness. If you want to understand what is the resurrection life, if you want to understand what joy is, not happiness, joy, you must be willing to look at the darkness. Resurrection life doesn't come from jumping over sorrow to joy. Let me say that again. Resurrection life does not come from jumping over sorrow to joy. Resurrection life comes when we're willing to look at the hard stuff, look into the tomb, look at the brokenness of this world, look at what's happening in Ukraine, look at what happened in the pandemic, not run from it, not hide from it, but move through it. Jesus appeared to the people who were not afraid to look at the darkness and the pain and the suffering. Jesus also appeared to the people who loved him. He did not appear to Pilate. 
He did not appear to Herod. He did not appear to the Pharisees. He appeared to Mary, to the women, and to the disciples. Not that they got it right, but look at Peter. He messed up terribly. But they loved him. If you want to know the resurrection life, you have to love God. And that means spending some time with God, saying your prayers, listening for God's role in your life. What is God asking of you? And then, if you love God and if you're not afraid to look into the darkness, there will be these moments that are inexplicable, these resurrection moments, I could call them. Like when Dr. Martin Luther King, he was sitting in his kitchen late one night and he had gotten a death threat phone call. He hung up the phone, failing, terrified, and he said that this presence of peace overwhelmed him. And he knew in that moment that no threat, nothing on this earth could stop him from preaching the gospel, that God loves us and all of us are created equal. That, my friends, was a moment of resurrection in which he walked into the resurrection life. He became part of Christ's purposes here on earth. Or take, for example, a simpler man like Bruce Barcelo, who's a member of this very cathedral. Bruce had spent the past 20 years working in the Ukraine. And when the war hit, he knew so many people. So he got on his laptop. His friends were crying out for help for various things. Within 24 hours, Bruce had contacted some lawyers and businessmen, and he started a nonprofit. And he's funneled over a million dollars into Ukraine for all these weird things, like a woman who uh, had cows and would milk the cows and sell the milk, he was able to raise $5,000 to buy her the equipment to turn the milk into cheese because there was no one to drink the milk. Or a man who turned his hotel into a hostel for people who were running and scared. And as Bruce sits on his laptop, for what he says is 12 to 20 hours a day, the resurrection life is happening in him and through him. Or Caroline Cousins, also a member of this cathedral, who flew just two days ago over to Poland. She's always loved animals. One time on St. Francis Day, she brought a hen, and the hen laid an egg at the back of the church. So. <laughs> We brought the egg up at the offering. <laughs> She's on her way to Poland to help with animals, animals that are lost or who no longer have homes. And when she agreed to do that, the resurrection life lived in her. And the resurrection life can happen on an even smaller scale. It doesn't have to be flying over to the Ukraine or sending millions of dollars I heard last week of another man. He's 85 years old. He's in the choir with my mom at her tiny little Episcopal church. Sometimes they have 20 people on Sunday and the choir is 10. 
He's 85 years old, and he's married to another woman who's 85, and they were rehearsing for Holy Week. They were having a choir rehearsal. Everybody was working hard, and he got a cell phone call. But instead of turning off his cell phone, he took the phone, and all the little old ladies are glaring at him, including his wife. But he said, hello? Oh, okay. Well, I can be there soon. I'll come and tuck you into bed. Okay. Yes, goodbye. And then they went on with the rehearsal. After the rehearsal, my mother was walking out to the parking lot with this man and his elderly wife, and she said, is everything okay? I noticed you took a phone call in the middle of choir. This old man said, oh, yes. My wife and I live at an assisted living place, but above us on the next floor, there's a woman who's 90. You know, she's old. Her daughter just had to go back to Colorado, and she's scared to be alone. So I told her she could call me. And when she called, I thought it was right to pick up the phone, and I told her that I would come upstairs and tuck her into bed. And the resurrection life begins again. My friends, we live the resurrection life whenever we do not let the brokenness of the world take us down or deter us in any way. When we know that the results of every action that we make on this earth is not relevant really because we know how the story ends. And this life is the preface to the story that in the end light and love conquers all. And we will live that life here no matter what. We will build the kingdom of God from the urban core of Jacksonville throughout the world. When you were baptized, your resurrection life began, but you must agree to it. And when you agree to it is when you set yourself aside to do the work of Jesus in this world. That is when your resurrection life begins. Happy Easter. <laughs>